How can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got I to gotta check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. A baseball first podcast, sort of, featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. You are listening to Booze and Baseball with Derek Johnson. I'm Dusty Baker. Pull up a seat. Sit with us at our bar. Let's talk some ball. Derek, uh, we're going to jump right into this thing here with our chunk and look back at its stat. Uh, it is September the 26th of 2023. We're going to dig back a little bit to September the 26th of 2016. Uh, the Reds defeated the Cardinals 15-2. to Joey Votto would go two for four with a home run. Brandon Phillips would go four for five with a double, two stolen bases. Uh, you have Adam Duvall went four for six with two home runs. He had a career high that year, by the way, of 33 home runs. And then a guy by the name of Steve Selsky. He went five for five with a home run. Do you even know who Steve Selsky was? Never heard of him. Never heard of him myself. Um, so the Reds obviously didn't go far that year. Uh, 2016, the year the Cubs won the World Series. A couple familiar names here. Jaime Garcia got the loss. Mm. But more importantly, Michael Walker. He allowed seven earned runs in two and two-thirds innings pitched. And then Luke Weaver allowing five earned runs that was in two thirds of an inning. So needless to say, it has not been great for Luke Weaver since that day. And on the other end, Tim Edelman, he went seven innings, gave up two earned runs and four strikeouts. That's another player I didn't even know. Yeah, that's uh, gosh. Was that around when Michael Walker was a rookie or no? That was, that was a long time ago. Uh, I I just remember the year Michael Walker like came up and just immediately, Immediately, like started being one of the guys for the Cardinals. Um, yeah, it looks like that season 2016 was like kind of his worst year. The year before, he was an all star in 2015, and then 2016 had over a five ERA, which has been one of his worst seasons in the majors. He's he's kind of had up and down seasons, like he'll have years where he has low three ERAs. Last couple of years, he's been really good this year with the Padres, mid three ZRA. So, uh, yeah, I, I used to love Jaime Garcia, though. Well, there's there's a lot of reasons why. I decided this was the appropriate chug and look back at its stat. Okay, number one, Joey Votto. Okay, we're obviously going to talk about Joey Votto a little bit on this podcast. Uh, number two, I did want to bring up Michael Walker, uh, the team that he played for this year, the San Diego Padres, and he had a great year, by the way, this season. Like, he was very efficient this year. But there is a connection between Joey Votto, Michael Walker, the Padres, and it's who our third guest is. And uh, we haven't had a guest for a while on this podcast, Eric. It's been a little bit, uh, but I am uh, very excited to introduce none other than our very good friend, Paul Bonney. Paul, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you guys for having me on. Stoked to be here. Long time listener. Just happy to finally get on it. 
So, Derek, do you uh, would you like to do the honors and explain why Paul is on our podcast this week? Yeah, Paul just uh, basically destroys us every year in fantasy <laughs> baseball. So we wanted to pick his brain, get some insight on his fantasy knowledge, steal any knowledge and info that we can from him. That's the main reason we're really having him on here. But no, we, we wanted to have the winner of our league on uh, the show and, and well-deserved. Paul has... I'm trying to think how many years we've had the dynasty. I think this is year nine, I want to say, of, of our dynasty league going back. And uh, this is, I think, the fourth time that Paul's already won it. So he's uh, been a dominant force. And uh, I think we can all learn a little something fantasy from Paul. Well, before we go through Paul and, and, and talk to Paul about his team, about how he got to this point, uh, we're going to do our drinks. Uh, we're going to do our little cheers because we got to do a cheers to you, Paul. Um, so let's start off with you, Paul. What is your drink for the show? Oh, I'm going to be a little late. I'm going to be making a mixed drink. It's going to start with some fireball. Great way to start. Beautiful Love way it. to start. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm going to have probably the most lame drink today, but that's okay. I, it has a, okay. a special place in uh, Midwesterners heart. So <laughs> that's okay. Paul is uh, celebrating. You had a, I believe it was like a sober September, but you're breaking the curse today. Yeah, just for today. And then to pop a bottle, it's just some uh, sparkling cider. Going to mix that in with the. Ooh, that's interesting. I was going to hope that you had like champagne or something like that with sparkling cider close enough. uh, That's pretty close because that's like what you would have during Thanksgiving, right? Like that was as kid, the Thanksgiving, like it tastes like candy kind of. I got to go grab a bottle opener. I just. All right, you do that. Um, Here, I'll give you my drink while we're doing this. Mine is very easy. Go right ahead. So. Uh, one big thing in the Midwest is we have Sonic and Sonic, the like fast food, you see the TV commercials and everything, you know, where we grew up in, or where we went to high school and everything in Southern California, they didn't have a Sonic nearby, you know, no. it wasn't a thing no. in the Midwest. Sonics are important. They are uh, community gathering stations. A lot of times for like local, small, you know, high school and communities and stuff like that. You go to a Sonic on Friday night after a high school football game, it's going to take you 30 minutes to get your order. So nonetheless, very important so uh, true. culturally. So, true. culturally. <laughs> so a big thing that people do is they'll get a Sonic drink. And there are a lot of great Sonic drinks. You can do the cherry limeade, the ocean water. I uh, went for uh, an ocean water here. So we got some some blue drink. I don't even know what's in it. There's like Sprite and all sorts of stuff in it. Um, doesn't matter. So then what people will do is they'll mix it with alcohol. So I have mixed this with some vodka and you just stir it up. Um, I won't drop names or anything, but there was a guy who... Uh, used to work at my work. This was before I was there. They have these Route 44s of these drinks, which are 44 ounces. And he used to be on air and he would fill up the 44 ounce and drop a little bit of a, uh, you know, some from a handle and uh, go on air and say crazy stuff and and do fun things. But uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. I'm a little less tame than that, but that's my drink for the day. And he was still employed, gainfully employed. No, that is, that's a solid uh, Midwest drink. I think that's a pretty fair one. Um, Derek's uh, coasting out in Kansas, uh, and uh, that's a good way to celebrate the end of our season. Paul, uh, you got your bottle opener. I saw you struggling there a little bit. Yeah, and then I'm going to finish it with topping it off with garnish and an apple. Oh, beautiful. Okay, so oh, take wow. us through the whole drink. Take us through the whole drink one more time. So uh, I did a heavy pour of the Fireball, popped some Martinelli's. And then uh, got the garnish of the apple in here. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. All right, I will finish it off here with mine, and we'll do our cheers together, all right? So I got some Bacardi, okay? We're going to take three shots, three shots of Bacardi, okay? And I want you guys to see that it's legitimately three shots of Bacardi. And this is, by the way, it's 10.52 in the evening, 
my time. Perfect time to drink this. Um, and uh, we're actually we're gonna do a little more than three shots because that's for Paul. I'm gonna do a little, little over three and a half here. So yeah. And by uh, the way, if I'm comparing our drinks at the moment to Paul's fantasy team in the the championship week, uh, right now Paul has the winner. So he's got he's got the Juan Soto of drinks. Yeah. I'd give myself like I I was a useful drink, but I don't know, uh, not a great one. I don't know. Maybe maybe I was Max Kepler, a little underrated. Doesn't jump off the page. I'll be interested to see what yours is. I yours was I the Brendan Donovan. Right Your, yours was the Brendan Donovan. I would say where it's like you kind of had to limp to the finish, but it's still good. It's still effective. It just maybe doesn't take you there the whole way. Uh, this is passion fruit. Okay, um, you're gonna understand a theme here in a sec. Okay, you fill up the rest of your glass to the top with passion fruit. So there's three and a half shots in there, um, and then. This is just kind of a, a little addition. This is grenadine. Okay, we throw a little little drop in here. We're talking just a splash, okay? Splash of grenadine. And last but not least, we throw in just a squeeze of lemon, okay? Squeeze of lemon at the tip top. And then we take our handy-dandy glass. We're going to shake her up, okay? going to shake her up just like that. All right. It was a horrible shake. It was not great. It's I'm doing this at my desk, so sue me. I dare you. Um, last but not least, we do our pour into none other than my Ron Swanson. There's nothing wrong, no wrong way to consume alcohol glass. Okay. There is no wrong way to consume alcohol. This is my pour. Okay. Pretty pour right there. Oh, it's a nice color right there. Now, if you're sitting there and you're looking at this, this may look familiar to you. I have a reason behind the theme behind my drink, which is a hurricane. It's a hurricane because we are headed to New Orleans, baby. We're going to NOLA. Let's go. Cheers to Paul. Cheers to NOLA. Cheers to Joey Votto. A great season. Welcome to our show, Paul. Cheers. Thanks for having me. That is dangerous. Um, okay. Derek, what's the, uh, what's the player comparison to my drink? I need to know first. Um, with a hurricane, man, that's flashy. Um, it is flashy. That's I don't know. I, I, I want to talk about this guy today. So let's just, I'm going to make this Ozzy Albies. It's, it's, you know, <laughs> uh, Ozzy Albies for you in the championship week hit 387, 412, 677. He was a player who was on my team. I love Ozzy Albies. I traded him to you last year because he was injured out for the rest of the year. I was in contention, finished second in the regular season. I was like, I need something to try to win now. I, I made a win now move. I traded him, ends up. You ended up, you know, winning it all. And Ozzy Albies is a big reason why. Two home runs, seven RBI, three doubles in the last week of the season. Uh, I don't even re- – do you remember what you traded to get Ozzy Albies? Uh, Justin Verlander, uh, conditional of my first, and then I can't remember what else. I got I got yeah. you covered. Taylor Ward, Charlie Morton, <laughs> Jorge Lopez, Justin Verlander. Derek, you uh, – yeah. Yeah, that was that was the well, opposite side, and it was Ozzy, AJ Puck, and Sal Perez. Yeah, so I mean that that was a great win now opportunity for me because Verlander was great last year, Morton was great last year. You know that was trading Salvador Perez, who was out for basically the year, Albies, who was you know out for the year to try to win. Then, unfortunately, I didn't win, so it didn't work out. And now this year, I regret the trade, but I think in the moment it was fine, and I think that's that's kind of one of the fun things of. of this is each and every year you're trying to win you're trying to win now but you're also trying to keep your eye forward how have you paul like how what what has been kind of your main like theme or way of looking at things with fantasy baseball in terms of 
approaching win now versus trying to set yourself up in the future? Um, well, it comes off of a year where I actually did a small rebuild. So that year when we did the trade, I was just looking to stack talent. And like you said, Ozzy was done for the year. And I just thought that he was going to be much better for me going into the next year when I thought I had a chance to compete. I, I hate to say this, but I thought last year was Justin Verlander's last good year. I thought he used it all, uh, but he's proven me wrong. You know, he's in that uh, age of uh, boring but useful starting pitcher. Uh, I just like watching players, uh, so I'll trade for young guys that are exciting. That's generally what my go-to move is. It's it's not a bad go-to move, Paul. We're going to take people through your resume because it's honestly, like on paper, it's ridiculous. Writing this thing up, I was like, I, I can't believe what you've done over the past couple of years in our league. And, and just to put a front here, Derek and I study baseball, right? Like we study fantasy baseball. We study all these players. And Paul has won our league four times. Technically, theoretically, it would be five because in 2020, we had to let our season sit. And so we just kind of let the rosters play out. It didn't count for anything, but Paul's roster won that year too. It didn't count for that year, but you could theoretically say Paul has won it five times, which is absolutely ridiculous in nine years. Uh, on top of that, um, of course, the victory that Paul had this year, he won 11 to six. That was over a very solid team. Uh, shout out to our friend JD, who is in hiding right now at the moment. Um, in 26, 2016 is when Paul won his first championship in our league. He won it nine to six, stopping a three-peat. And then he progresses to go on a three-peat of his own from 2016 to 2018. Uh, of course, this is his fourth title. Um, and only five managers in our league have won it at this point. And Paul leads with four. Uh, the next manager down, his name is Nico. He has two. And then it's myself, another man named Shane, who doesn't set his rosters. I don't know how he won. And then we have uh, an expansion team that won, uh, who also, his name is Jacob. He had a victory, I believe it was last year. It was last year that he won it all. So, Paul, you've had a pretty dang good career in fantasy. And uh, going through those players, Derek mentioned Ozzy Albies. I think the big one that we want to talk about with you, uh, we're going to call this trade for top shelf because that's what you did. And you went for Juan Soto. You traded on April the 7th of 2022. Juan Soto, Joey Votto, Luke Voigt, and you, you acquired these guys. So Soto, Votto, Voigt, two sixths that became Matt Bush and Frankie Montas. For JT Real Muto, Freddie Freeman, Cody Bellinger, Starling Marte, Nolan Arenado, Jose Abreu, Aaron Nola, Joe Musgrove, Jacob deGrom, Chris Sale, a first and a third pick. And you win a championship. I, how did you do this? Uh, just, well, I think the biggest thing that's missing is I already had the base of Ronald Acuna, Tatis, Vladdy, Trey Turner, and Aussies, as we've been mentioning. So kind of allowed me to just swing big and I, I just got really lucky the fact that we decided to do an expansion after um yeah i i because it made a lot of managers uh i feel like uh, our our rosters are really roster locked um so it gave me a whole bunch of roster flexibility that you and i've talked about extensively dusty and so i feel like that was the biggest thing that helped me this year because i uh, borrowed a Big strategy from Derek where I was just having the most at bats every week <laughs> and uh, doing that trade really opened up uh, that for me. And uh, when I feel like everyone else was kind of unable to cycle through four players a week, I was able to add and drop and just not care.
You obviously have made trades with Derek a lot. And uh, we talked about that Ozzy Albies trade. Derek is a big uh, time trader in our league. Derek, when you look at Paul's strategy, which this year, um, if you go through some of the major trades he made, there, there weren't a ton. Um, you know, you traded for Justin Turner. You gave up Robbie Ray. Uh, you traded for Tanner Scott, Alex Cobb. I believe that was with Derek uh, yeah. for AJ Puck. And there were a couple picks involved. Uh, you traded for Mark Leiter. You traded a six uh, for a four there. Um, your big trade, honestly, was at the start of the year. Freddie Peralta and Drew Smiley, you acquired for Cody Bellinger and Lou Severino. You talk about two players that couldn't have gone in uh, greater different trajectories, right? So, uh, Derek, when you look at the trades Paul made and Paul looking at the trades you made, I mean, what what at the end of the day allowed you to kind of push forward considering you weren't completely focused on making trades this year? Um, just... Uh... The whole I, I want to take it back to the Tarek Scooball trade that Derek and I made a year ago. Actually, I, I felt like that was just I wanted to acquire 26 and 27 year old pitchers this year. So that was the whole philosophy going into getting Freddie Peralta. And uh, it goes back to the Juan Soto trade as well, because I kind of felt like I was playing with house money once I was able to keep uh, Cody Bellinger this year uh, after he was dropped at the end of last year. And another guy, Josh Naylor, I wouldn't have been able to keep if I hadn't made that uh, massive trade for Juan Soto. Derek, uh, you make these trades a lot. Um, watching what Paul did this year, is that going to change your strategy at all? Well, yes and no. I mean, this year I got very aggressive with it because I was very much out of it. Or, you know, I, I was a team that was I, – I was trying to find some sort of balance. I was trying to find some sort of spark that kind of got me going and – um, that ended up, you know, being the way that I went about it. And, and when I was in eighth and ninth place through a lot of the season, it was like, okay, well, this is at least something fun to do to occupy myself, uh, over the course of the season. And, and so then I kind of made it a goal from there to, I wanted to get a lot of really young pitchers and build my staff that way and, uh, just kind of grow with them. So at this time, I'm actually, I, my, my hope and plan is to right, right now I'm, I'm too, uh, kind of roster imbalanced. I have too many of these young pitchers. So I'm going to try to trade like maybe one or two um, and get maybe a good hitter out of it or something. But for the most part, I, I do feel like I've gotten to a place where now I feel a little bit more comfortable not trading as much. Like I said, I'm going to try to make some moves on the margins. Uh, maybe try to flip a, a pitcher or two here or there. We do have another expansion happening this offseason. So that will lead to certainly a number of trades just to deal with the format of that. Um but yeah, man, I, I think there's plus and minuses both ways. Like, I, I think there's multiple ways to skin a cat. It, it's the same way with determining who's going to win. Everybody has their own different kind of strategy, which I think is kind of cool. You know, for years I did the, Paul mentioned the at-bats thing. And that worked for me to have a lot of good successful regular seasons. But my team would always not do well in the postseason. Um, so I tried something different. And uh, last year uh, when I was good, I tried something more with pitching. And I had like Shane McClanahan when he broke out and some of these things. And then it still didn't work in the playoffs. So I tried something different again this year. And, and again, it didn't work. But you have teams like uh, the guy that Paul beat in the championship usually, you know, has these elite relievers with high K per nines and he wins ratios. And then you have certain teams that go all in on hitting certain teams that go in all in on power. You have certain teams that go in all in on pitching. Like there are just different strategies that everybody has. And I think that is a really cool thing about this. Um, and at the end of the day, like, I think what Paul's strategy has been has been more like player acquisition. Like he said, like mm -hmm. get the players that he likes Agreed. watching and just get talent any way you can and kind of figure out the rest after that. Um, whereas, you know, sometimes it, it can be, 
I don't know. Sometimes it, it might be a little bit harder to do that. And you do have to go for uh, a certain strategy uh, to try to win certain categories or, or do something and try to figure out your own deficiencies too. Like, like try to figure out, you know, early this season, I, I probably didn't make the playoffs this year because the first like six weeks of the year, I was just picking up waiver wire pitchers, streaming pitchers. And that is not a, a strength of mine. I do very bad with it. I'm, I'm very poor at it. And it cost me probably a good amount of categories. I end up falling out of the playoffs by a couple games. And so that could have been the difference in the end. So trying to understand your weaknesses, where you can make up for it, understanding your strengths, uh, all those sort of things. What well, one thing that I learned from Paul, uh, and obviously watching Paul over the years, like I've started to learn what Paul does because, uh, he did it to me. Like he, he traded for Ron. He's smiling right now. He's laughing because he knows um, I, I got the receipts here and I'm going to gonna share it with you because this is what he did. He's very smart with how he went about this. Um, he traded for Ronald Acuna Jr. From me. Uh, now here's the trade. He gave up Andrew Benatendi, who at that time had some promise, right? Chris Bryant was still kind of on a, a decent ride. He was definitely past his prime, but he still had value, right? And then he gave me Fernando Tatis Jr. On paper, it's a pretty good deal. But then Paul comes back around a second time and he gets Fernando Tatis Jr. back from me. And he gives up Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story, Max Scherzer, Grayson Rodriguez. And at this point in time, you know, Arenado is still very effective, but he's definitely on the other no, no. side. G-Rod train, baby. Yeah, you and Derek is riding the the Grayson train, which I mean, rightfully so. I think he's going to have a pretty good career. So you know, Paul is willing to give up a young prospect to acquire somebody in addition to players that at this time maybe have win now value, but he's going to get the guys that he believes have significant value. Which is why that Juan Soto trade it blew a lot of people's brains out. But I sat there and I was like, I think Paul is going to end up maybe not necessarily winning this trade, but it's going to help him long-term, no doubt, better than any of the players he gave up, which were all at that time 30 or older, it felt like. So, Paul, would you agree that that's kind of been what's worked best for you? Yeah, it 100% has. Uh, like you talked about, I had to give up Tatis to get Acuna, and then all those players are still great players, except for Trevor Story, maybe, about the Tatis yeah, trade. So, I mean, I definitely uh, have always had to give up talent to get talent. So... It's, well, I, it's I, I do think, though, if, if you go back to the Soto one, because I remember at the time, the, the thought was Paul's going to win this long term, mm -hmm. but Ben is going to, who, who was the one who traded with him, um, win this in the short term. And for two years, or whoever it's been since then, I guess two years, yeah, uh, April 7, 2022, so two seasons of fantasy baseball, that Ben would be the guy to beat. And Ben was our best team in the regular season in terms of the standings. He had a chance to win it all. He, he was in the championship for two straight years before this year um, to win off of that, but I don't, I don't know. Was there ever a moment when you made that trade, Paul, or when you were proposing it where you were basically like, if I do this trade, like, yes, it will help me long-term, but I basically have to punt on a year and that's going to suck. Uh, I honestly was just hoping to be the sixth seed that year because uh, how we've had some uh, below 500 teams make it. And I thought that I would be able to snag it, but I mean, I finished ninth and I uh, wanted to, uh, not think about it, but I definitely think that a, a good rebuild planned is always strategic. Paul, you one, one thing that I think was interesting this year, um, you had texted me. I, I got the receipts on this too, saying that you thought you were done, right? Like you thought your season was over. I had just beat you in the, the regular season and you're like, yeah, my team's terrible. I'm done. It's over. And then 
you know, you, you didn't even sneak into the playoffs, right? You still won enough games earlier on in the year that you had a pretty dang good cushion. Um, you kind of limped into the playoffs as far as how your team played, but then you went on a run. And, and this is something that I think is really interesting is it doesn't matter how good your team necessarily has done during the regular season. If you get that spot, like you mentioned, that six seed, it, it matters when you turn it on in the playoffs, right? Is that kind of how you thought about that this year too? Yeah, I uh, was a little hopeful going in that I smashed uh, the play person I was going to be playing in the playoffs, Nico. But I also thought that I used up at all the good luck and I ended up advancing on a tiebreaker. So honest, I, I, I got insanely lucky this year because I just barely squeaked into the next round. As you mentioned, I faced Ben at the right time of the playoffs because I would have beat anyone, but he would have beat anyone in the championship week. So I'm glad that I was able to face him in the semifinals instead of the championship. So it was just luck. Derek, yeah, on uh, on the end, of course, of seeing Paul on this side, we, we picked you to win it all this year, I think, collectively. Um, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the truth. And it's funny. So I mentioned the Padres, right? I mentioned that as a tie into all this. So I, I like to do comps to our teams, right? And Paul is also a huge Padres fan. So this this goes two ways right here in our podcast. Um, Paul is wearing a Padres hat for those that are listening as well. So um, I comped Derek's team to the Padres. All the talent in the world, it just couldn't really get the job done at the end of the day. It, it, Derek, what what is different from your team to what you saw from Paul's team this year? Well, okay. I actually, I love the Padres comp too, because I have some of the stars. I have Julio Rodriguez, Corbin Carroll, some of these players. I had Aaron Judge for a bit, right? Um, and, and the Padres obviously have a lot of notable players. Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis and stuff. What else is crazy is it, it felt like all year long for like the stat heads. Everybody has been like, but the Padres are better than the record is. Because now they, they just lost an extra inning game two days ago. They're now 0-12 in extra inning games. And typically the average team is going to be around 500 in extra inning games, right? Because they're basically coin flips. So theoretically, you know, the Padres, I, I forget what they're last out on, on the wild card. They're four or five back, something like that. You add six wins to that, all of a sudden they're a playoff team. And that's how I felt with my team. I didn't think my team was great this year, um, especially compared to the last two years. But like we, we look at our Roto standings at the end of the year because we are head to head. And like I finished fifth. And so that I don't know if that's that's more encouraging to be like you're closer than you think, or if that's more maddening to be like, well, then why did I finish in ninth place? You know, I, I don't know what, what would go into that. So that is maddening. But um, I think I think Paul's ride, like he said, there is a bit of luck involved in winning it all. There always has to be. And maybe if you can be that dominant of a team, then you can overcome the luck. Like some of those early Paul teams were just going to win, I feel like. But this year's team, it was kind of a wide open race. Like there really anybody who made the playoffs this year could have won it all. And we've seen that maybe the last two years in our league. It's been a little bit more wide open. Just get in and anything can happen. Again, he had to win on a tiebreaker in the first round, and then he got hot after that. So I think it's a lesson for me as just find a way to get in the dance and keep taking enough cracks at it and hope that something turns your way. Um, and and maybe I can be closer than than I hope, but um yeah man it's it, it's hard it's really really hard and uh I, I can only imagine how justifying it is and, and how much fun it is paul have you thought at all like uh, among your championships is this one like where does this rank i guess like how much fun was this one compared to maybe some of the others obviously this one was more lucrative in uh, terms of money 
<laughs> this one, excluding uh, all monetary, this one was easily the most sweet. Um, like Dusty said, I was not expecting to win. I uh, kind of gave up uh, the week that I tied Nico. It was a historic comeback. Uh, so, and then I also made bets every single week along as well. I've never done that before. So uh, I had a bet with Nico. He had to drop a video. I have a bet with Ben. He's going to have to serve me beer with his nipples out uh, at our reunion. And then uh, JD and I did a jersey bet. So uh, I'm going to oh. be wearing a nice Juan Soto jersey the whole entire reunion. <laughs> that is awesome. I, yeah, I was going to ask you a little bit about those bets. I, I do have to ask you more about the Ben bet. Um, how in the world did you guys stumble upon that? Because like a jersey bet, a video bet, like so in the video, Nico basically had to say that he dry, he, he strives to be half the manager that Paul is, which is one of the greatest things that I've ever seen. Um, the Jersey bet. That's a really great one. Um, you, you won big on that. Uh, Juan Soto literally carried you in that championship week. So that was very poetic, but uh, talk to me about how in the world this bet with Ben came to be. Uh, he's the one that proposed it, but I'm a big mean girls fan. So, uh, I was, I was really down for it as soon as he said it, because I've always wanted to, uh, wear that shirt that where the nipples are cut out and so when you proposed it i was like oh yeah no i'm i'm down even if i lose i don't see that as a loss it's <laughs> awesome that's awesome. And uh, yeah, we, we love all the characters that we have in our league too. It's it's what makes the league go round. And, and that's what makes, you know, anybody else's league uh, go round as well. You have to have the, the friendships and the personal relationships. And that's as much of this as, uh, as anything. Is, is there a player right now, Paul, that um, is maybe on your team that you feel like has a lot more in the tank that uh, you, you feel like next year, watch out. Uh I'm hoping to see uh, another leap from Josh Naylor. I'm a big Josh Naylor guy. I know you and I have talked about him before this year. I uh, always felt a little crazy for how much I liked him, but I just love the way he plays. He's not a fast man, but he steals bags. He plays the game hard. He's super emotional. Uh, his, when he was watching his brother Bo play, like that's just the type of baseball player that I want. So to have him on my fantasy team just makes it that much more enjoyable for me watching him play. Paul, when you look at the rest of the league, okay, so we're doing something called expansion where we're adding two teams. We're doing it very differently. We only keep eight players initially, and then the expansion teams take 12 players. Uh, they can take a max of three players from each of our teams. We then equalize. We, we pick our four players back. Um, essentially, we're losing at max six players. When you look at how expansion is and just sitting here and looking at your roster after winning it all, do you feel like you are set up where you have enough depth, where you feel like you are going to be a championship contender again, even after you're losing, you know, two, three, four, five, up to six guys? Yeah, I uh, I'm uh, I uh, I look at it as an advantage, but some might not. I'm insanely top heavy, so I get to protect my uh seven best players i would say uh and then i'm that eight through 12 are kind of all interchangeable in my opinion so i feel like i have good enough depth to be stolen from and then i have a bunch of closers and i know derek alluded to this on the last podcast so i think they're going to be uh, more valuable for me going to next year so i feel like i'm going to have a few categories locked up because going into every year i try to 
solidify 11 categories. I pick 11 categories that I just want to dominate. And so I feel like I'm going to have a good shot of doing that again, going into next year, even with uh, losing potentially six quality players. All right. We got each uh, one more question for you here, Paul, Derek, you go right ahead. Yeah. Um, I, I guess, uh, I don't know how much do you want to give me for Jackson holiday? <laughs> Yeah, that's the biggest regret I have in this year. But fortunately for me, it worked out. I don't have much to show for it anymore because I traded Robbie Ray away. And that was uh, kind of what I got for giving up the second pick in this year's draft. Um, but I'm sure I'll make uh, many attempts at trying to get him back during the year. Okay, ser serious question, though. I do, I do want your advice. I actually have the first pick so you can actually speak this directly to me if you were in my shoes this year's a great draft class uh you got dylan cruz wyatt langford paul Skeens. uh you're gonna have a couple guys coming over from japan yamamoto and and the hitters or the uh, other pitchers coming over is 30 years old um and there's a couple other good prospects high school guys and, and so forth uh ethan salas is going to be appearing in our draft this year a lot of really good players this season if you were in my shoes who would you be taking number one overall Paul Skeens, absolutely love it. I know he got lit up in that one start, but it's he's an ace in the making. Just watching him, the way he talks about baseball. I know that there's some other really good players, don't get me wrong, but he just seems like Strasburg 2.0. The only thing that's going to slow him down would be injuries. He's just phenomenal. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I think you kind of have what Derek mentioned too, those kind of core three of Skeens, Cruz, Langford. It could be any of those three in any order, but – um, yeah, I kind of have to agree. I think you probably lean skiing a little bit and there's probably a reason why he was picked number one in the draft. Right. Uh, my last question for you here, Paul, we have spent this entire time talking about, you know, your, your praises, how good your team is, everything like that. All right. So Derek and I did not do well this year. So you have to tell both of us what we did wrong and what we have to do better. It's not well, even a question. It's more of a, tell us what we do. Tell Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast, bud. <laughs> Tell us well, what we did wrong, and you can Derek be as good as you want. Derek knows how I feel. I felt like he sold some pieces this year that he should have kept because I didn't feel like um, they were over the hill yet, like Garrett Cole and Jose Ramirez. I felt like he definitely would have been the sixth seed if he would have held on to them. I know he got, got Michael players. Harris, though, and Michael Harris was awesome. Yeah, I know you got some players back. Yeah. You got Nate's first, Jackson which ended Holiday. up being insanely valuable. Don't get me wrong, but I just thought for this year that those guys would have helped you uh, make the playoffs. And then, Dusty, I told you going into the last week of the year that you were the manager of the year. Honest, you had, like you've alluded to before, you were last in the Roto rankings for a long time. <laughs> but I feel like you did amazing with streaming, and Derek just absolutely ruined you. <laughs> And uh, I know that we talked about it as well. I think you actually would have been in, in the semis or even in the finals facing me if you would have made the playoffs. So but you did everything correct, in my opinion. <laughs> Heck yeah. Well, that's great. I mean, I appreciate that. It's And that's the thing about fantasy baseball, man. It's uh, It can really make your day or it can make you want to run through a wall. And uh, no matter what, in this league in particular – um, I always have to explain it to people because I don't think people understand when you say I'm in a fantasy baseball league, it's a, it's a serious league. They're like, okay, like whatever. Um, it, it, people don't understand. Like this is every day starting before the season begins. 
in really February, March, we do our uh, every year we do our trip where we're going to NOLA this upcoming year. And that that'll be in March. Um, we do our draft. Uh, we're going to do our expansion draft this year. So two drafts. And then we talk nonstop trades, not even during the season, but also beyond the season. Like I think Derek just opened up trades already for next year, right? Like this is a, Oh, I already was hitting up managers like last week. Yeah. Yeah. Derek's already sent me a trade for Raphael Devers. Are we surprised? (laughs) And I'm expecting a trade proposal from Paul also on that. I I know Paul's target will always be Devers, but uh, the thing is like, when you do this every day, when you put as much time and effort into it, when you're doing it with your friends that are equally talented as far as understanding the league, understanding players, understanding how to navigate this, like it's competitive, man. And so you could have a good team. You could have a really bad team, but at the end of the day, there's a little luck involved. There's a lot of skill. There's a lot of how do I navigate these waters and, and not even outsmart a manager, but just simply how do I do things to my best ability to win according to the categories I'm going after, um, to stick to the strategy in place, right? And so the thing that was tough for me this year was I knew my team wasn't that good heading into the year. I just knew. Like, I I had guys like Jose Ramirez. I had Byron Buxton. And Ramirez had a good year. Buxton did not. Like, the injuries, the age. uh, Garrett Cole concerned me a little bit because he always seemed to struggle at the back end. Didn't hit hard there. I kind of screwed that one up a little bit by going after Dylan Cease. But um, overall, like I wanted to just get younger across the board. And, uh, by the time the season started, I think my average age on my team was like 25.2, you know, that, that was what, like what I was going for, which going into the year, it originally was like 31, I think like it was a very old one. So I guess like across the board to both of you guys, when you look into the future of dynasty, right? Like what we're doing in our league. Is your strategy different? Is it going to change now that we have 12 teams, now that we are adding two more, and ultimately it's going to look different? You know it's going to look different. Players are going to be more valuable. What, what does it look like for you guys? Derek, yeah, I mean, it's, it's different to me. Um, Paul mentioned the, the stuff with the relievers. That changes stuff. I almost feel like it's pick a lane. Go for saves or go for holds. You know, so Paul said he's going for saves. I uh, got rid of all my closers because I – found value for that in uh, being a seller in the market. And so now I'm just going to go for holds, right? That that's going to be my avenue. So there's going to be certain things. And that goes back to in line with part of the reason why I wanted to stock up on young pitchers, even though young pitchers can be a very risky prospect. uh, A lot of our league understands that. And so I felt like there was more value to be had there than getting young hitters. There are a lot of people who have just sworn off pitching prospects in our league at this point. So, you know, it's kind of like the money ball thought like the value is where the value is not you know what I mean so that was part of it and and I think because of that the big change to me is streaming pitchers is going to be a lot harder right so if you can stack up with good pitchers good relievers I think that's going to be the big difference with an expanded league Paul what about you uh yeah um as you talked about from that sixth round draft pick from the Juan Soto trade getting uh Matt Bush before he completely burned up this year I'm gonna be trying to make sure that I grab a nice uh start a relief pitcher a starting pitcher eligibility because it's gonna be huge for me if I'm gonna be trying to carry four uh closers going into next year so I can like Derek said still at least complete compete in holds um But I think uh, relief pitchers' values are going to go up a lot in our league just because having tidy ratios is going to be huge because if 
you need a stream for a quality starter for a win, you're hoping that you can at least migrate some whip or K for nine or some ERA, you know, blowback. Yeah, I, I think that's a very fair one. I, I think uh, one thing that I'm looking at is the draft itself. When we do our uh, first year player draft, we may actually implement something different, but uh, assuming we don't, uh, we do a draft every year where the players that were just drafted are usually the top picks, right? But beyond that, there is still value that's out there. And so for this particular draft uh, that we went into, and, and luckily I can reveal this now that it's already happened, I made it a priority to get picks all early on. So I'm lucky. I actually uh, strategically at this point, I don't have to worry anymore about kind of what I've done. Uh, I have a first round pick. Uh, it happens to be the second pick in the draft. Uh, then I have three second round picks. Then I have two third round picks. And then I have a fourth round that's in the middle. I, I don't have a pick after pick 43. Uh, and there's 84 picks in our draft. I wanted to be very top heavy. Um, and I was willing to give up pieces. I was not necessarily willing to trade back at all uh, because I found draft picks to be more valuable at this point. Um, since I think that the value, like you look at what was originally in our league, maybe a third round pick, right? Uh, let's say the last pick in the third round. Well, that would have been pick 30 with 10 teams. All of a sudden, you look at where our league is at. That is actually early on in the third round. So, you know, the value goes up just by adding two more teams. There's six more picks ahead of you all of a sudden. So uh, I wanted to stack myself early of draft picks. I wanted to kind of give my myself good positioning um, to get players that I want because they're not going to be available later in the draft like they normally are. Um, and then as far as the overall roster that I'm at right now with, like I, I wanted young guys to carry. Um, so you best believe Ellie De La Cruz, even after his struggles, uh, I see what he did on the day of recording and he hits a ball 119 miles per hour. And, and you're like, you know, th this dude may look terrible right now, but let's be honest, he's 21 years old, right? So um, you're just going to have to stick true to the players that you buy into. Um, and that's what I'm going to have to do. So I, I ain't changing the strategy just because I had a down year this year. Um, I'm sticking to my young guns of Gunner and Ellie. And I love Luis Robert, Rafael Devers. It's a good core that I have. And you just, you know, one bad year can't, can't kind of, you know, hold you back. Cause you saw with Paul that Paul finishes in ninth. And what does he do in the next year? He wins it all. Right. So Derek, there's hope, man. There's hope. <laughs> there's hope. Uh, before we go, I do want to talk about one last thing. All of us uh, have been impacted by watching Joey Votto play. Uh, there's a chance that we saw the last of Joey Votto playing at great American ballpark. And it didn't really hit me until I actually had to call the highlights for it. And I sat there and I was like, this is a legitimate hall of fame contender. Now I want to ask each of you, cause you guys both have had owned him in our league. Um, Paul, he actually helped carry you by the way in 2016. Uh, I'm going to bring this up because I have this pulled up in front of me in 2016, the first championship you won in our league, you won nine to six, but more importantly, the guy that led you Joey Votto, six runs, 13 hits, four doubles, Three home runs, eight RBIs, hit 419 that season. Um, he, he helped lead you, man. So any final thoughts on Joey Votto possibly leaving the league? Is he a guaranteed Hall of Famer? Um, and what impact did he have on you watching baseball? Paul, I'm, start you. I'm a little biased. He's just one of those personalities that I think is amazing for the sport. I've always just loved him because he's a character. And I know now lately he's got on to social media. I wish he would have been on it earlier in his career, but 
I think he has a shot at being a Hall of Famer. He's done a lot for the game. Uh, he's just a good guy on and off the field. I just I've always loved watching him play. He's one of those players that originated my whole strategy of just get guys that you enjoy and good things happen. Derek, what about yeah. you? Yeah, I mean the, the off the field stuff. It's like I I always think of him and Zach Granke with some of the just comments and quips and and everything that he kind of did from from that regard. Some of the numbers, like I, I remember when there was that one stat going on forever about. Uh, Joey Votto hasn't popped out on the infield in something like ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unbelievable player. I, I do agree. I, I think he probably is a hall of famer. I think he's an easy first round hall, but he should be first ballot in my opinion, but I, I don't know if he's going to get that just because the power didn't necessarily show up uh, or translate the way that, you know, a lot of the writers want it to. You look at the overall numbers though, and they stack up as good as it gets uh, as far as, guys that have reached the first ballot. And, and you look at guys like Scott Rowan uh, that got in defensively. I think Votto has a much greater case. Uh, obviously, the length of his time in the league as well. Uh, 17 years with a career OPS over 900 is stupid. Yeah, yeah it's ridiculous. And the walk, uh, the OP, uh, the OPS is one thing, but also his on-base percentage. Just the career OBP is insane. Um, so I, to me, I think he's an easy Hall of Famer. Um, the personality is incredible. I, I was lucky. I actually got a chance to interview him when he was in his rehab assignment here in Louisville. And he said something that really sticks to me. Uh, and, and it's going to, and it's part of the reason why I wanted to bring this up. It actually kind of makes me emotional because you don't think about these players as human beings. Right. And one thing that I thought was very interesting in Louisville, he said, you know, this is the moment where, yeah, I'm in the back end of my career but I'm still trying to get to the big leagues, right? I'm still trying to get there. I'm trying to put in the work, put in the time, put in the effort to make it to the big leagues. And you sit there and you're like, that that's true. A rehab assignment, you're trying to get yourself ready, be the top of your game. And he followed that by saying the coolest thing about being at this AAA level is seeing guys at different points in their career with the same goal, right? And knowing that it's so difficult to get to the MLB, Votto, I think, appreciated the fact that his time in the MLB, it wasn't something that he just took for granted. I, I think he really appreciated every moment. Uh, he treated fans well. He treated people well. Um, and so he, I think it's it's a face that, you know, in 10, 15 years from now, we're still going to be talking about. So uh, really, really excited for him that uh, he had such a great career. He's going to be missing the league. And uh, obviously, we all benefited in some way from owning him. Uh, Joey Votto Banks, right? Uh, so before we go, uh, real quick around around the circle. As we head into the 2024 season, um, let's just really quickly in our league pick who's finishing in last place next year. <laughs> Paul, go ahead. Uh, just because he's always there. Shane. I This is such an impossible question. We haven't even done the expansion draft. We haven't done the expansion draft. So. The draft. <laughs> I'll just take myself. I'm a, the easy answer. Make no enemies. I I, I think I'm going to probably have to sit here and say that it's it's going to be an expansion team. Uh, we saw the last time we did expansion, one team went off and actually won the title the next year. And then uh, uh, an expansion team didn't do so well. They finally made the playoffs this year, though. So I'm going to say it's going to be Max slash Eric, one of the two. Um, if they're listening to this, good luck, boys. Uh, welcome to the show. It's going to be fun. So uh, speaking of welcome to the show, Paul, thank you so much for joining us, man. Uh, we hope that you uh, get the chance to to join us again next year. Or do we, Derek? Do we actually hope he does? Because that means he wanted. <laughs> no, to I it. hope I'm the featured guest. <laughs> Paul, thank you for joining us, man. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me on here. It's been a blast.
It's been a blast with you as well, Paul. Hope you enjoyed your drink as well. And uh, on behalf of Derek Johnson and Paul Bonney, I'm Dusty Baker. Thanks again for pulling up a bar stool and hanging with us. Let's grab a drink again in two weeks. In two weeks, by the way, it'll be playoff time. We will talk to you then. Until then, though, cheers.